are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32, verse 22. It says, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Amen? I want to show a quick video uh, before jumping into the rest of the message. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to see that's how I dream to be. If I were to sum up my childhood, uh, I think this commercial would be able to capture it pretty well. My childhood dream could be summed up as simply be like Mike. And that was my goal. That was my dream. That was, you know, uh, posters on my wall and all of these different things. But before I knew it, reality caught up. Um, I realized I was never that good. I stopped growing, at least in my height. Uh, But I just experienced reality catching up. But I realized that that's not, that feeling isn't limited to just dreams I had as a kid, but also those that I had as a teenager and even adult, where there's these dreams, these wants, these hopes that I've had where it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. And oftentimes we tell ourselves, just, just be real, get real. I don't know if this is for you. Eventually, reality catches up. Dreams are, are crushed. In Proverbs, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. What happens when our dreams are gone, but the longing is still there? What are you willing to do to get what you've dreamt about, the things that you wanted? Are you willing to uh, work extra hard? 
What lengths are you willing to go? Would you uh, work harder? Would you just not quit? Or would you give up? Would you deceive? Would you cheat? And I think oftentimes people either become a cynic when it comes to dreams or an opportunist. Now, in the Bible, we're introduced to two brothers. They're twins by the name of Esau and Jacob, and they were named accordingly, and each boy actually lived up to their name. Esau, he was born red, so the parents are like, let's just name him red. It's simpler times. Jacob came out grabbing his brother's heel, so they were like, let's just call him heel grabber, even though a heel grabber was a figure of speech for a deceiver, an opportunist, a cheater. But, and I think he lived up to it because he had dreams, he had wants, he had desires, but the only way he could get it was to deceive. Now, imagine uh, Jacob at this point where he's the second born, so he doesn't get the birthright or the blessing. He wasn't qualified. He was ineligible. And I believe that he had a dream of what his life was supposed to look like, what he wished his life was like, and he was willing to do whatever it takes to get it. So we're first introduced to him selling a a bowl of soup to his older brother saying, hey, I'll give this to you if you give me your birthright. And the older brother says, just give it to me. I'm famished. What good is a birthright if I'm starving to death? Secondly, he pretends to be his brother, puts lamb fur on his arms and deceives and lies to get the father's blessing. And we see Jacob just doing whatever he can do to, to get what he wants. He even does this later when he has an encounter with God and, and at Bethel, and, and he realized, man, God is in this place. And instead of wanting to step into covenant, he presents a contract. He says, God, you can be my God if as long as you protect me, give me clothes to wear, food to eat, then you'll be my God. I mean, we see this heart, this nature within him where he's wanting to cheat, deceive, always get the best out of people no matter the cost. He does this with his wives. He, do, he does this with his father-in-law. Now he's in dangerous territory there. Uh, but he's willing to do whatever it takes to get what he desires, get what he wants. So now it's at this point where we've come to in the scripture that we read together this morning where he's on the run from his father-in-law because he lied to him, he cheated him, he deceived him. But now he's also hearing that his older brother is coming to meet him. And And the last time he saw his older brother, he cheated him out of the birthright and the blessing. So he's pretty sure, he's pretty much thinking that he's coming to kill me. Now he's in quite a predicament. He's on the run and about to run into a conflict, and he's in this place of tension. Now, obviously, we could read this story and realize that Jacob has no one to blame but himself. But have you ever been in a place where it's your fault, you you know it's because of what you've done and the choices you've made, but yet somehow you blame God? God, it's your fault that I'm in this place. Have you ever complained and blamed and questioned God in these moments? Because if I'm honest and I put myself in Jacob's shoes at this point, he's in a place of crisis, he doesn't know what's going to happen, I would feel that God is cheap and unfair. That, God, you're cheap and you're, you're unfair. It's all your fault. Because I'm, if I'm Jacob, I'm thinking, God, the only reason I cheated my brother is because you didn't make me the firstborn. God, the only reason why I deceived him, I lied to him, I, I deceived my family is because you wouldn't let me have what I wanted. God, you, you chose my red freak of a brother over me. That's your fault. 
And I think that's what Jacob is probably thinking. Lord, how else would I see my dreams, my longings be fulfilled unless I step up and do what I had to do? Have you ever been in a place like that yourself? Where you know that there there are these things in your heart, but you feel like God is ignoring you. Because what's it like to be Jacob? The son of Isaac, his, his grandfather is Abraham. What kind of pressure do you grow up with when your grandfather is known as the father of faith for eternity? Like what kind of pressure is that? God, I never asked to be part of this family. How difficult it is to hear about the promises, the blessings, the promised land, but yet you know you're not qualified simply because of your birth order. It had nothing to do what he chose for himself, but now he's in that place And I feel like he would be blaming God because I've been there too. God, there are these things that I've wanted, I've longed for, and God, you've kept them from me. Why did you give me these desires to begin with? God, I I cheated, I deceived because I just did, did what I had to do. How else could I reach my dreams? I want to matter too. I want my dreams to come true too. Do they not count? Do they not matter God, if you've only given me what I've wanted, you set me up. Now, we all know in this place that, that we've heard that God is faithful, amen, that God is good, that he's trustworthy, that he's all of these different things, but there's been so many times in my own journey, my own walk with God, where, where what I knew to be true, the information that I had in my mind was disconnected from how I felt about him, that he didn't feel good in, in a lot of those moments, those those places of darkness, those pits, those deserts, those valleys, where, where I, I know all the information. I paid a lot of money to get an MDiv that proves that I know that information. But yet in my, in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit, I felt a disconnect between what, what I was told he was like and how he felt like to me. Another question I have about Jacob in this moment is, is Jacob actually happy? Because if you look through his story, he did get everything he wanted. He did get the birthright. He did get the blessing. He did get the girl of his dreams. I mean, he got uh, tons of material goods, blessings, farm animals. I mean, he had it all. But how happy can you actually be if everything you've gotten, you've gotten it dishonestly? I mean, that's what's going on in his heart, I believe, in this moment where he's running from a crisis about to run into another crisis. He's by himself. He's in this place, and yet he's going through all these different things. Yet it's in this moment, in the midst of all of this, where everything is in jeopardy, the Bible says he wrestles with God. And I believe that's the perfect recipe for a rumble with our God. It's those moments where we feel alone, tired, disappointed. The last thing we want to do is pray or read the Bible or, or do anything with God. But yet that's when God comes and meets us as we are. I think it's so interesting that in this text, it says that Jacob was alone. Now, remember, he's like in the middle of the Middle East, in the desert. He's alone. And it goes right into Jacob was alone and started wrestling with the man. Like, how does that happen? Is he pacing around in the desert, stressed out? He sees someone on a camel, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to start something right now. He's like, whoa, whoa, I'm just saying shalom. And Jacob's like, show what? You know, like, I don't know what happened there, but they started to wrestle. Now, one theologian says this about that encounter that Jacob has, that Jacob was finally jacob that someone finally came when he wasn't looking, when he wasn't aware, and attacked him from behind. 
I think that's the, the, what makes God so great, so merciful, so kind, is that the, the moment where we want nothing to do with him, he's willing to sneak up on us. You ever read the passage where the two disciples are going from Jerusalem to Emmaus? And Jesus, sh- I mean, Jesus does a lot of weird things, right? Hashtag Jesus is weird. He shows up, pretends to be someone else, and he acts as if he's going to Emmaus in the opposite direction of where these disciples were supposed to be so that he could remind him of who he was. And that's the God that we serve, that Jesus, who for three and a half years said, follow me, is now following them. I mean, that's the type of God that we serve. And we see that here in this moment where Jacob was alone, and all of a sudden, God snuck up on him, provoked him, and started to wrestle with him. You ever feel like God is starting with you? Right? You're having a stressful morning. You're trying to get to work. The last thing you need is, is something to go wrong, but yet you get a flat tire right then. And God, why are you starting with me now? Why is there traffic now? Like whatever that moment is, I feel like that's what's taking place for Jacob. And, and he starts to wrestle with God. I believe to wrestle with God means to simply be honest with him, to confront him, to challenge him, to struggle with him. Because there's so many times where we feel like when we come into the church, we have to put on a front. We, we start talking in King James language. You know what I mean? Like, how art thou, brother? God is goodeth in my soul. It's like, what are we talking about? But we feel like we can't be real. We can't be honest. But if you can't be real here, where can you be? And I think that's what wrestling with God is. God, do you even care? Do you even love me? Do you, are, are you for me? Are, are you really as good as you say that you are? And, and we see Jacob wrestling with God in that moment. Yet this, imagine this crazy scenario where a man is wrestling with God. But even crazier is that is the fact that Jacob starts prevailing. Jacob starts prevailing. And right there, the Bible says that the man touches his leg socket and, and, and his hip comes out. I mean, we're already questioning whether God is fair or not, and he uses this cheap move. Like, what? We're, how can you do this move, Lord? Like, we're not sure if you're fair, but you're doing this move. And then it's at that moment when an all-knowing, all-powerful God asks Jacob what his name is. Let's think about that moment. God, who knows everything, turns to this man and says, what's your name? I think it's basically like God coming to Jacob and saying, hey, Jacob, what's your name? Because he knows everything, but yet he's giving an opportunity for Jacob to be who he really is, to, pre- to present himself as he is for the first time. Because if you look throughout his life, he's been deceiving, he's been cheating, he's been pretending to be everybody else except himself. But for the first time we see in his life where he comes to God, not as pretending to be Esau, pretending to be someone else, but he says, my name is Jacob. I think there's something powerful that happens when we wrestle with God, when we're honest with him, and we come as we are, because that's when God changes us into who he desires us to be. Because the thing is, God can't bless who you pretend to be. God can't bless your your mask, your makeup, your walls. He can only bless and change the real you. And there's something about wrestling with God that that opens up an opportunity for us to come as we really are. And it's in that moment when God not only gives Jacob a new name, but marks him and blesses him. He says, you're no longer Jacob, but now you'll be known as Israel because you've wrestled with God. You struggled with God and you struggled with man and you've overcome. 
Now, this here is, is one of the strangest passages of all time where man wrestled with God and he survived. I mean, Jacob himself is so surprised that he changes the whole area's name into this encounter he had with the Lord. And I think that's what makes God so amazing is that he's so secure in who he is that he even roots for you as you challenge him. That even as you wrestle with God, he's actually rooting for you. He's fighting for you even as you fight with him. And I believe he does that to build our faith. Heaven-sent trials make us seek heaven-sent solutions. I believe that God doesn't do things to us as much as he does things for us. Amen. That he doesn't bring pain on, on purpose as much as we find purpose in the pain because he is always redeemer. So God is so secure in that, that, that he's willing to even hurt us to truly heal us. He's willing to break us to truly build us. He takes so that he can truly give what he's wanted to give. More than what, what, what we could have ever wanted ourselves, but what he wanted for us. Because that's the thing about dreams and longings, is the fact that God has them too. That God has dreams and longings and desires, hopes for every single one of you here this morning. Amen. That he wants to bless you. He wants to fill your life with, with his presence, with all that he is, but not at the expense of destroying you. There's a pastor in Redding, California, by the name of Bill Johnson, and this is what he says about blessings, that every blessing from God has the potential to change human history or become a golden calf. God wants to bless you, but not at the expense of your own soul, your own character. He's wanting to rumble with us, to wrestle with us, so we could come to him as we are. He has a dream for you, for this church, and that's to bless you, to use you beyond your wildest imaginations. I mean, the Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the good things that he has for those who love him. And I believe that describes this church and the season you're even entering into, that he has amazing things to you, but it's time to wrestle with him to get there. Oftentimes, the resolution to wrestling with God is the fact that there is no resolution. You just wrestle, you, you struggle, you fight, you, you question, you do all these things. Because what we need isn't so much an answer as much as we need an encounter with the living God. Because if you know that he's with you, if you know that he's for you, then it doesn't matter why things are happening or, or why they happen in the way that they happen if God is on our side. And in that moment, Jacob leaves with a new name, but also a limp. Jacob went from being a self-sufficient controller of the divine to Israel, who is now completely dependent on God's grace. Now, if you look at Jacob's life, he's always on the run. But Israel, he could barely walk without a limp. Jacob was always seeking control. But Israel surrendered all to God. And I think it was in that moment when he's wrestling with God, where Jacob's heart was, God, you can hurt me, but don't you dare leave me. Not now. I'm not letting go until you bless me. Because more than answers, more than blessings, it's you that I need. I believe God's heart for all of us here is for us to finish well. And the only way you can finish well is to walk with the limp. That way you're not running ahead of God, running away from God, but taking each step dependent on the Lord. 
Now, there's something about the word of God where God describes it as a lamp unto our feet. Now, I don't know about you, but I want high beams, like xenon high beams so I can see miles down the road. I don't care if I'm blinding the other driver. I want to see as far as I can see. But God doesn't want to show us everything because he wants us dependent on him. Because what good is it to get to your final destination, but to get there alone? I mean, that's even Moses' cry. God, don't send us to the promised land unless your presence goes with us. God, you said that you know me, that, that you found, that you have favor over me. Then go with us. Send your presence there. And I think that's what's taking place in Jacob's life. Now that he encountered God, now that he wrestled with God, he can't run away. He can't run far further ahead. He's taking one step together with the Lord, dependent and leaning into him. I believe that God wants to mark every single one of us here this morning. That he marks you with a new name, but also a limp. But also a limp. And it might get hard, but it's so that we stay dependent on the Lord. And I believe that's oftentimes the price of being chosen by God. Is that we're dependent on him. We, we have a limp. We're, we're, we're so in need of God. And I feel like I could relate to everything that Jacob must have felt, that God is unfair, he doesn't care, he set me up to deceive, to cheat, to do whatever I can, to strive, to reach, to grasp. Because I've been there too. God, you, you called me, you saved me, you chose me. And God, you know my dreams. But I'll be honest, there are moments in my life where I was trying to build Sam's kingdom in Jesus' name where I thought God loved me to accommodate me. And before I knew it, I was trying to see my will be done through Jesus' name. But it's when we're honest with him, God, what, what about these disappointments, these struggles, these, the pain, the disappointments, all of these different things? And I believe God is inviting you to bring that to him because he's not intimidated. He's not phased. He's so secure, like I said that he could handle whatever's on your heart. He just wants you to be real. He just wants you to be honest. I mean, isn't that what the book of Psalms is all about? People being honest with the Lord, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's theologically wrong. It's people being honest. And God's like, man, I just love that. I'm going to put that in my book of worship. Because that's faith. When you wrestle with God and you're real, that's faith. Oftentimes, the last thing we want to do when we're struggling is, is to do anything spiritual, right? Because we feel like, man, I, I'm being fake. I'm being phony. But whenever you worship God, when you don't feel like it, that's not you being fake. That's you having faith. And God wants us to have faith, to come to him as we are. God, did you not care about my wants? Did you do these things to, to teach me a lesson or, or whatever? And I felt so bitter at God when I thought those things. But yet he wants me to bring that to him. As I was even walking through this myself, I mean, there are dreams that I've had where, where you know, I thought I would be at an amazing church, that I, I would be married by now. Y'all need to pray. Amen. Right? <laughs> Some dreams still can come true. Um, but I've really wrestled with the Lord in those moments. And, and in those moments, God was challenging me. Did you say yes to me because of what you could get? Or did you say yes to me because I'm enough? 
And in that moment, I wasn't sure what I could say to the Lord. And this is what God said to me, and I believe he's saying that to some of you here this morning. He said, even if you never chose me, I'll still choose you over and over and over again. I'll pursue you. I'll wrestle with you. Because that's God's heart for us, for this church. Even if we get angry with him, accuse him, he still pursues after us to love us. Because deep down, what he's always wanted for us is really what we want. I think some of you have believed lies that, man, maybe I, I don't want what God wants. Like, you do. You really do. Some of you need to hear that this morning. That you're not struggling against an old heart, but he's given you a new heart. That he's replaced your heart of stone with a heart of flesh, and it's beating for Jesus. He's given you a new heart. And I believe that, that God wants to awaken that within us, that we would want what he wants for us even if it's costly, even if it's uncomfortable. Because he wants to mark us forever. And I believe when God wrestles with us, he's simply saying to us, you don't have to be someone else. You don't have to do anything more or anything better. It's you I want to bless. This blessing was always meant for you. So Jacob didn't have to be Esau He didn't even have to be a better version of Jacob. All he needed to be was Israel, dependent and broken and leaning on God. It's the difference between what Jacob could be on his own strength versus who Israel could be in God. Because the fastest Jacob will never go further than limping Israel. God believes in every single one of you. God believes in this church so much so that he's rooting for you, even as you wrestle with him. Now, I want to close with just this thought. Isn't it interesting that in the Bible, the people of God were known as the Israelites? I mean, they could have been known as the Abramites. You know, he's the first person who got the covenant, the promise. It could, it could have been known as the Isaacers, you know, because he was the result of the promise. But yet the people of God were known as the Israelites because I think there's something about wrestling with God that marks us as believers. That it's those who have struggled with God, those who have struggled with man, those who have wrestled with him, gone through the fire, gone through the valley, gone through the desert. There's something about those moments that mark us as true people of God. And I think that's why they're known as the Israelites. So the good news this morning is is that if you wrestle with God, you won't die. Amen. But you might walk away with a limp. But it's worth it. So, Father, we just thank you this morning for your presence. God, we thank you for your love, that you choose us over and over and over again, that you're willing to find us in the middle of a desert when we're alone, and you're willing to even sneak up on us Because you don't want our answers. You don't want our performance. You don't want our religion. You want us as we truly are. So Lord, even this morning, I pray that you would release your grace to us here. That we would be courageous enough to come as we really are with our disappointments, our hopes, our longings. God, I pray even now that you revive dreams in this place in Jesus' name. 
that everything that the enemy has stolen, that you would restore it now in Jesus' name. That everything that the enemy has killed, that you would revive it now in Jesus' name. That everything that the enemy has sought to destroy, God, that you would bless it a hundredfold over for your glory, your kingdom, your name. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.